Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Stewardship Leader. I'm your host, Leo Sabo. And today I have the pleasure of having both a friend and a stewardship colleague on the podcast. His name is Greg Gless. Greg is a generous life pastor at Res Life Church in Granville, Michigan. And as I said, he's been a friend. He's actually been on our team when I was a stewardship pastor. He was on our team, a volunteer, one of our faithful volunteers, and God called him into ministry. So I want to talk with him today about this journey. Greg, welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast. Hey, Leo. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure being on. Well, I so look forward to this conversation because I know your personal story, and I know many of our listeners will also enjoy how God has directed your path to be where you are today and to do what you're doing today. So let's start the the way we always start these podcasts with uh, the Stewardship Spotlight, which is, what is your personal stewardship story? Yeah, that's a great question because uh, my personal stewardship story is really heavily intertwined with my uh, my salvation story. It was 20 years ago, actually, earlier this year, where both my wife and I were radically saved. And just financially, the snapshot where we were at, we were $200,000 in debt. We just had moved to Texas from, we're actually in Ohio at that time, moved down to Texas, Houston area. And... Uh, we had uh, we had two hundred thousand dollars in debt, like I mentioned, and no job lined up. We didn't realize exactly how hot it was in Texas. Both our cars had issues with the AC, and boy, it was like we were in a bad, bad spot. But uh, after we got saved, I think it was in that in the bulletin that week they had an advertisement that you can meet with a financial coach. I'm like, boy, we could we could really stand to meet with a financial coach. <laughs> and I can just imagine looking back. If I were in the shoes of that financial coach, like what would you think if you sat down with someone in that kind of financial position, just moved to a new town without a job and was like, hey, what are we going to do? You know, <laughs> And that really has molded the way that I approached this meeting with people and meeting with families is uh, just this heart that he interacted with us just being uh, non-judgmental. He was very accepting, loving. He just focused the advice around the word. And he helped us to kind of create some order out of the chaos, which was basically putting together a uh, a budget. And basically, the budget just kind of got our hands around what do our expenses look like? What's the uh, kind of the minimum that we need to believing, be believing God for to be able to at least get our head above water? So then that was at least gave us kind of a faith goal. And then he just gave us a ton of scriptures. And, and part of our getting saved, the church there at the time, they would issue the challenge when you got saved. Hey, give us a year of your life. And we believe that God will significantly change and make an impact in your life if you do that. So we were going every time the doors were open. So we were getting chock full of the word. And and then uh, I just fell in love with that ministry. And I got trained up as a financial coach and started doing one-on-one meetings. And um, if we fast forward about 14 months from the time that we sat down with that coach, God moved mightily and we were able to get completely debt free. That $200,000 in debt was completely paid off. Totally supernatural. I don't think I've ever earned that much money in that short period of time before as a commission based type of a position. And 
just all sorts of favor got moved and showed up. It was, it was amazing to be a part of, but mm-hmm. in addition to getting debt free, the part that was really, you know, some additional parts that were really fun part of the story is that uh, we were able to uh, buy two cars for cash. And then also our church was uh, going through a major building fund. So we, I think we ended up contributing a couple multiples of what we had ever earned in a whole year before. It was just, just supernatural. It was crazy. So God got my attention. And now when I, when I meet with people, I don't think I've ever heard a situation that was worse than ours. So (laughs) so I'm always able to give somebody hope, always able to let them come in and be able to share and not judge them at all because I've been there, but I also know that God can get them out supernaturally fast. Just lean into the things of God big time. So through the course of the six, seven years we were at that church, I like I said, I just went in full bore. I just loved it. And it was a larger church and we were able to meet with basically as many families as we wanted to. We could schedule two and three meetings a night. So over the course of that six, seven years, I was actually able to meet. I tallied up one time. It was a little over a thousand families. So just talk about getting your repetitions in, right? So I had to learn some things along the, along the way. Then we felt the Lord calling us to launch a stewardship ministry at a church that was closer to our home outside in one of the outskirts of uh, Houston, a little subdivision, not little, but a pretty big sized town named Katy, Texas. And uh, so during that time is when I got connected with Gateway Church. And that's when I first got connected with you, Leo, Mm -hmm. and looking for uh, input on how to launch one successfully. I was also in contact with my mentor at the original church we were at. He actually came out and helped us do the initial meeting to cast some vision for the church. And it was really, really good. And then I had an experience kind of uh, my first wound within the church. I launched a business at that time. And my closest friends and one of my closest mentors at that time um, found out that there was some bad things going on within the business that hired these guys to come on board and be a part of it. So I was wounded from this. And then also at that, around that same time, figured out, uh, really became aware that there were some things going on with the senior leadership at the new church that I was launching at. And I was just wounded. So mm-hmm. Pastor Leo, you probably remember that because Bridget and I, my wife and I came up to visit you and one of the other pastors, or a couple of the other pastors that were part of the stewardship ministry there at Gateway. And you guys just showed, showed us love and really encouraged us that our call, you know, is really separate from those wounds and that, you know, the call of God doesn't go away just because you, you take a few lumps, you know, you, you got to learn, recoup, you know, Get yourself all healed up and then get back in the game. So you guys did a great job and, you know, kind of bandaging up the wounded. And uh, man, we're, we'll always be grateful for that. And then not too long after that, uh, the Lord worked it out. We were able to move to Dallas, Fort Worth area. And that's when I was able to start serving with, with you guys up at Gateway in the stewardship ministry. And boy, that was where I really got exposure to lots of different principles and types of uh, ministry that are even more effective than the one-on-one. So, you know, we really started leaning into and learning about how much more effective it is to do group coaching versus one-on-one. Just eye-opening that people are open to talking about finances if you don't make it a big deal in a group setting, even if they're struggling. There was just a lot of things that we learned that I learned there uh, and just learned a lot of spiritual truths and then also a lot of practical um, tips and tricks and also tools to use to to help people so that they could, uh, you know, they can stay on track and make good progress and not get stuck. Then fast forward, I got an opportunity. It's a long, the long story short is we, my wife and I were able to move back to Michigan. And then after being here for a short period of time, uh, got invited to launch a stewardship ministry here in Michigan at Res Life Church in, in Granville, which is right outside Grand Rapids. 
And that was, we're just celebrating our four-year anniversary from launching the, the stewardship ministry here at Res Life that we call Generous Life. So, mm. yeah. It's it's an awesome story. You left a lot of things out, which obviously for in the interest of time, I, I appreciate that. For those that are listening, uh, I've known Greg for, well, as he said, for quite a while, uh, when he reached first reached out to us when we were serving at, at Gateway Church. He's a typical volunteer that you want, uh, faithful, willing to do whatever, but also coming with, with knowledge. He, he didn't have to be completely trained. Like you said, you had a lot of experience counseling people, so you understood the dynamic of what it takes to help somebody walk this out. But I so appreciated the way you served. You were faithful, uh, willing to do whatever it took. And the reason I wanted to touch on this for a moment, Greg, is because there are people in our churches that feel the same way you and I did when we become passionate about this, because it's personal to us. It changes our life because somehow money was an obstacle to our relationship with God. And then it became the actual thing that drew us closer to him as he began to teach and show us and help us break free from the love of money. But the key thing here is that there are people in every church like you and me to express what this has done in their own lives. And we know that it's central to our walk with Christ, that money can be that barrier, that you can't serve two masters, right? It's either you love one, despise the other, you cling to one, you reject the other. And and that's the, the thing that we all battled. And now, once we have our eyes open, we really want to share that with everyone. So I just want to encourage a couple of different people in the church. One is the senior pastor who's hearing this. There are people in your church who feel the same way Greg does, the same way I feel, which is that our desire is to really contribute by helping disciple people in this area, because we know the benefit it has. And uh, they're they're there to serve. They want to serve. They just need the opportunity to serve. And I just want to encourage those that are listening, that if you are in a season where you're not able to serve or the church doesn't seem to be interested, don't give up. Uh, Continue to to try to do it at that church. And if that church isn't interested, find, find another church that is. All right, Greg, let's move on to the next question, which is, what is the most challenging part of serving in this ministry of generosity and stewardship? Well, be- before I answer that, would it be okay if I added just one more thing? Of course. Of encouragement to those that are feeling called to do the ministry, but maybe the door is currently closed. It's just this idea of waiting on God's timing. Just continue mm-hmm. to prepare yourself while the doors are closed. Take the steps of faith that God is leading you to do. I would just share that when we were considering moving from Texas back to Michigan, uh, by faith, I put together a whole prospectus on here's how uh, how we would launch a stewardship ministry, why it's needed. And then I actually submitted it to probably a dozen churches in and around uh, Michigan or northern Indiana. And uh, I heard back from zero of them. And, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then I... Uh, Followed up, I had a, a connection. There was a, a, a pastor at Gateway uh, who uh, had formerly attended Res Life Church in Michigan. So kind of leveraged that connection to set up at least a lunch meeting um, with uh, Res Life Church. And then that morning, they also are part of a network of churches called Link. And that morning, I was actually able to talk to the uh, uh, the director. He, was, he lives in Mexico, or at that time lived in Mexico, but happened to be in town for a meeting. So I was able to take him to breakfast pitch him on the idea of like, well, this would be a valuable thing to add to the network of churches was kind of the idea. And then for lunchtime, pitched uh, Res Life Church on that idea. And I got the same answer following both of those those uh, those meetings. This is awesome idea. We need to do it. Now's not the right time. <laughs> <laughs> and it went on about my way. We flew back to Texas and, you know, 
Then I followed up. I maybe heard one email back, like now still not the right time. I would call or email and it would be nothing. I wouldn't get any kind of response at all. Mm. Through a series of events, we had to kind of an emergency situation with my father's health and had to move back to Michigan. And uh, within just a couple of months of that, I did hear back from Res Life and said, hey, I don't know if you're still interested or where you're at, but we, we think we're ready. Mm. <laughs> and so wow. then a couple of months from there, we went ahead and got it launched. So just an encouragement. Delay doesn't mean denial, right? Like just just wait and keep preparing so that when that door does open, you'll be ready. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. that that's so true. Uh, and it's, it is God's timing. You know, sometimes a church just isn't ready to launch something like that. And I would say, you know, having worked with many churches here at CSN, I can tell you that there is a right time and a right way. Right. And sometimes just launching it just for the sake of launching it is not a good idea. It's it's a complete cultural shift that you're looking for, right? You're, you begin to talk about money when you didn't talk about money before, or you begin to offer classes. And people are going to think about that maybe in different ways. They might think, well, why is the church talking about money all of a sudden? Are we struggling? Uh, is the church in trouble? Right? right. Or it could be, uh, is the pastor needing another raise? I mean, people will come from all kinds of different backgrounds and ideas and and beliefs on why you're talking about it. So it takes time to unfold that message in a way that's healthy so that people know we're not after your money. We're here actually to help you. We're offering this information. We're talking about this because Jesus talked about it. And it's something that matters in our right. lives. We, and we want to have a biblical perspective on it. Yeah. And that's a huge piece is God's timing. And just talking with you know the folks that were on staff at the church is like, yeah, this would have failed if we would have started two years early. There was so many things going on behind the scenes that needed to get handled for the timing to be right. Yeah. And uh, and I think communication and I don't know if the right this is the right terminology, but controlling the narrative. People will make up a, a story <laughs> and most likely the spirit of mammon, he doesn't like us getting money right. He'll he'll create a pretty compelling story about what the church wants from me versus mm -hmm. what the church wants for me, especially early on, just going over and above to communicate two things. Number one, this is a discipleship ministry. And number two, this is not fundraising. Mm. I will not ask you for money. Now, the Holy Spirit might but I'm not going to ask you for money and yeah. just, just, and then just be true to that and, and, and feed into people, just feed them and feed them and disciple them. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. I love that. I love that. It is what we want to do for people and not what we want from people. I love that you, you share that. Well, I do hope that you're enjoying this conversation and we're going to come right back to it, but I want to take just a minute to introduce you to one of our ministry partners. CSN's ministry would not be possible without the help of our partners, and frankly, we would want to do it without them. What they offer to churches and church leaders through services, content, and resources that they have is invaluable to building a healthy stewardship ministry and helping their people to become good stewards and generous givers. This episode of the Stewardship Leader Podcast is sponsored by Simple Donation. Simple Donation exists to make people in churches and faith-based organizations happy by creating world-class software. We focus exclusively on churches using Rock RMS and have deep expertise in Rock. We partner with Rock churches to leverage signals that can be used to aid in discipleship. This includes building out custom reports, workflows, and connection requests in Rock. In addition, with Simple Donation, you get uncommon service and a single vendor for all things payments. 
To learn more about Simple Donation, visit simpledonation.com. All right, so what is the most challenging part of serving in this ministry, Greg? Well, launching one, getting that vision out there, just ties in what we shared. That's has probably been the most challenging part. Like even within the staff, trying to craft a way to describe what we're doing, not for just me to describe it, but for the other staff to really get it and describe it in a, in a way that, that makes sense, that they can remember, that is kind of sticky, you know, that they kind of would get, grab someone's attention. So really putting some thought around how to help your, your staff understand it and be able to communicate effectively about it as well. That's, that's been a big challenge. Um, mm-hmm. Just continuing to always think about different ways um, to, to make that possible. And, and God, you know, I think like the Bible is progressive revelation. And I think walking this out, this journey out is progressive revelation. Like, oh yeah, that, that's an awesome idea. You'll hear something, you'll see something. And, you know, that's one of the benefits too, of being a part of like CSN is that you hear things that other people are processing and trying, and it can give you a lot of great ideas to kind of give you a shortcut. So you don't have to, you know, that's wisdom, right? Is learning from other people's mistakes and what they're doing well versus yeah. needing to do it all yourself. So I, I really think it's it's interesting to think of. So I would totally agree. God is, it's like Ephesians 4.13. He's done exceedingly abundantly above what we could even ask or think through the generous life ministry over these four years. He's just confirmed his word over and over. There's been just supernatural things happen in people's lives. The church paid off uh, the mortgage four years faster than we anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been able to, um, we're, we're in the middle of a building project, building a house to um, for counseling to happen for girls rescued out of sex trafficking. And like none of this would have happened if the church was still in the, had debt in the mortgage. So mm-hmm. he's worked through families. There's been miracles and stuff. But just, I would say this is all a testament of just um, following a lot of the, not a template, but kind of a template. The things I learned through CSN and being a part of what was, um, shared and, and done and researched and tried it at Gateway. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? There's a lot of a lot of things you can grab a hold of and God's blessings on it. You know, you can craft things to make it fit your church's, you know, whatever your church's vibe is and its culture there, but it's still the word of God. So it's going to be very, it's going to apply anywhere. Yeah. And there's a lot of similarity, but you're right. I mean, having a system, having a an intentional process for how you're going to not just launch the ministry, but then run the ministry. Uh, it's so important. And you mentioned the staff and helping the staff understand it, because I think one of the worst thing that can happen is you launch a stewardship ministry and it becomes something that was never designed to be, which is, oh, this is where you go if you have debt, or this is where you go if you need financial assistance, instead of this is a discipleship opportunity. This is This is the way we learn about an area of our life that we need to understand what what God says, what the Bible says. And that's such an important thing that you mentioned, Greg, that having an intentional way to communicate, to control the narrative, all of that, you have to be strategic. That, that's called wisdom, right? <laughs> Being wise and prudent on what you do is extremely important. Uh, just because you do it in the church doesn't mean it could just be you know done any way. It should be done with excellence. It should be done thoughtful. It should be done wisely with a lot of counsel. Uh, and this is why I so appreciate that everything that you learned, both at your church in Houston, then the church in Katy, then at Gateway, and now at Res Life, you've consistently learned and understood what works, what doesn't work, and continue to tweak. And I think that's 
kind of a staple of the people that are part of our community at CSN mm -hmm. is that there are people that are always looking to do things better. And this is why it's such an important part of what we try to do. Even the membership that we have was designed around the idea of people coming into this ministry who have a desire to grow it, but don't have the experience. So why not learn from those that have already gone before them and avoid all the landmines and all the, you know, the failures that would eventually come. And I so appreciate that you mentioned that because it is one of our biggest value proposition is like, come learn from others because there are very, very willing to share. Uh, you will not meet a more generous group of people developed or what they've done or what they've learned. And I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing that this ministry exists and that this community exists because it is a need in the church. Uh, and many churches don't do it. Um, like you said, you, you send out feelers to what, 10 churches and no one responded. That's kind of typical. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it's true. All right. So in regards to the ministry, what are you focused on right now and what problem are you trying to solve or what wins are you having? Yeah. So just it just ties right in with what you were just mentioning about the idea of not being seen just as a ministry that's for the benevolence or those that are in, that are struggling financially. So, yeah, uh, we we started with as part of the vision that it's not something that, that we are discipleship, that we don't want something from you. It's not fundraising, but it's not just discipleship for those that are struggling. It's it's basically it's discipleship. For families, regardless of what financial situation they're in, whether they're struggling, stable, solid, or in surplus, you know, the four S's and <laughs> um, stole that from CSN or Gateway or something along the way as well. But it and that is so helpful in framing that. And then I always spend time on when we hit surplus that and it's true that that those in surplus are often the least discipled to and the most that are, you know, they're, they're most hit up for fundraising. So there's an opportunity there. And it, I've seen it personally over these four years. And I just thank God so much that that uh, that Res Life chose kind of an outsider. I'd never been to Res Life before to come and launch this and talk to people about finances. I mean, that's a that's a step of faith. Yeah. And uh, especially, you know, connecting uh, early on and consistently and having access to those that were most generous and uh, being able to connect them that way. Hey, I'm here to be able to be be praying with you, process things. Um Whatever, whatever you're dealing with, and then I'm going to be sharing encouragement from the word on an ongoing basis kind of a thing. And just over time, people saying that, yeah, this is actually not leading up to him trying to set me up to ask for money, you know, because <laughs> that's always going to kind of be in the back of their mind, I'm sure. Okay. Um, so that's it's been a ton of fun. Basically, another way to help make that clear uh, is that what I'm working on right now and just kind of put the finishing touches on. I've been working on it for the last four years, but really think we got it nailed down is uh, what we're calling this a generous life pathway. And uh, what that kind of looks like is we are teaching right now in the middle of a, a four-week class called Kingdom Finances, which kind of just are those foundational truths about the kingdom around finances. And we're, we're basically saying, hey, if you're a member of Res Life Church, we want this in your DNA. We want everyone to have heard this. Previously, our main workshop was, like you were saying, Leah, was mostly just visited by those people that were struggling. So those folks that were stable and solid and surplus, those guys were really missing all those spiritual truths in the freedom ministry portion that we we put in there as well that really could impact and make a difference in their lives because the word always makes a difference. It doesn't return void. Mm -hmm. So I've been excited these last two weeks of this, you know, being halfway through the series and seeing uh, the hunger and the life change even after two weeks from those that are in those 
they're they're doing more, you know better financially and they're really being impacted by the word. So that's been super fun. So that's kind of the entry point. And then it kind of breaks up into there's there's certain classes or workshops for those that are struggling, including like a six week workshop with coaches and round tables and and everything along those lines. And then some ministry and some classes for those that are stable and solid. We do the uh, the partnership with FPM Financial Planning Ministry to provide estate planning. That's part of that kind of that step. And then we also have a retirement workshop that is a, an awesome kingdom-based uh, retirement and planning type workshop with the idea that, you know, your calling doesn't stop at a certain age, you know, <laughs> or if you had a certain financial number, that doesn't mean all of a sudden your calling and your life went away. And then we we partner up with Generous Giving for those that are uh, to offer jogs, the journey of generosity uh, for those that are in surplus. And then we've, we've started doing some jog alumni events to keep the the fellowship piece going, but also on a consistent basis, drop in some of the uh, spiritual truths to help keep people's hearts free, you know, and living towards God. So just having that pathway clear. And then, so that's the generous life pathway. But then we also have, I oversee our benevolence. And so we also have a benevolence pathway. So then that helps, I think, even more so create separate lines between, hey, those coming to generous life and those for benevolence. Mm-hmm. And that, So we kind of try to do that intentionally. So, hey, our the way we're structured, you come through benevolence, you meet with deacons first, then we have a mentorship program. You can meet with a coach and then pastoral care if you need it kind of a thing. But um, just to help provide some clarity around that. So that's what we've been working on and just uh, had a chance two weeks ago to share that with our staff. So that's great. I mean, I yeah. love the 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 detail that you've built into it, really taking into account that there are different people in your church uh, at different stages of life, different financial situations that they're dealing with. But as you stated, which is so important for everyone to hear, this is a ministry of discipleship to everyone. And the kingdom classes that you're doing right now, the purpose of that, and I love that you mentioned this, because I think in any stewardship ministry that you have at your church, there should be some kind of foundational class that says, this is what the Bible says about this topic. And everyone needs to know this. And so I love that. I think that's something that uh, that every church should consider as a, not necessarily as a starting thing, but some something that they want to work toward so that they do have that in their, in their arsenal, so to speak, as a first step for people to take. And then beyond that, people know, okay, this is biblical. Now I might need some practical help. I might need some budgeting help. I might need some debt situation, you know, where I need to get out of debt and, and figure that out. And then you begin to offer that. But I, I love the way you've strategically thought through all of that and you're offering it so that everyone is included. No one's left out, regardless of where they are. Love that. So what concerns you the most and what excites you the most about stewardship ministry? Well, I guess it's uh, two sides of the same coin. And, uh, you know, you this might sound controversial or kind of crazy coming from, you know, stewardship pastor. But what uh, I think concerns me the most is... Uh, um, Working on breaking this uh, uh, paradigm of, hey, I'm just a steward. And, uh, you know, God's the owner and I'm just a steward. And uh, so it's been interesting to lean into the idea that, hey, God, I don't think Jesus went to the cross to build a management team. I think he went to the cross to have a family, to have his kids and his sons and his daughters, you know, back in relationship with him. So kind of looking at it through the lens of... uh, Oh, let's see. I want to read this to you guys. It's a good scripture. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Romans 8, 17, the first half of it. Just just God's heart here. You know, if we're children, then we're heirs, 
heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So just that, that, you know, we're children and we're heirs. He's called us heirs. He's his heirs, heirs of God. And then also a joint heir with Jesus Christ. So, you know, everything that he gave to Jesus, he gave to us to manage together with Jesus. And God has always been about doing life together with us. So, so just trying to get that paradigm out there, like he wants to restore it to like it was in the, in the garden. He was walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day and had a relationship with them. And yeah, they had stuff to do. They had to harvest, you know, the, you know, collect the, the, the fruit and the, the crops that were there and be able to enjoy them. But God provided it all. And uh, so they had their part to do. So I kind of look at it like a partnership where God wants to do life with us. Um, so we're his kids, but uh, he's made us the managing partner. So we're, I look at it like we're joint heirs with stewardship responsibilities. And like stewardship's not our, not our identity. We're, we're, we're children of God. That's our identity. But one of our roles is, is as a steward for sure. Um, so kind of like saying, hey, I'm just a steward, I think is kind of similar to saying, hey, um, I think a rainbow is red. Well, it has red. That's one aspect of it, but there's a lot more to it. It's actually <laughs> a series of colors. And the Lord's been ministering to me through that. So when he ministers to me, I minister to others on that. And it's, it's really, I think, unlocks a lot of different thoughts about partnering up with God and doing life with God around finances. Um, and he gives us the Holy Spirit so we can always partner with him to know what to do. So that's exciting to me to be able to, to help people see that God wants to do life together, including finances. Because I know a lot of people put finances off like Sunday morning, I go to church and I handle my finances just fine. Thank you very much. You know, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'll operate with Christian principles, but and my business in the things I'm doing can be blessed and they, they might be increasing. And but using this model, I've seen some breakthrough where people are saying, hey, you know what? I, I realized that the way I'm living has been good and my but my heart has been off on this. And that uh, I've been trying to build my kingdom versus trying to build the kingdom. And mm -hmm. so that's been a lot of fun. It's been a challenge to get that different paradigm and kind of correcting people when they say, hey, I'm, I'm just a steward. Well, no, no, you're not. <laughs> and they're like, wait a minute, you're the stewardship guy. What are you talking about? So um, then it gives me a chance to tell, talk to him about that. But so it's a lot of fun. There's been a lot of good things showing up in the word about that. Yeah. So as we uh, wrap this up. Tell me, uh, what is the best advice you can give a stewardship leader or a stewardship champion? Yeah, so my my best piece of advice, and we may have hit on this a little bit, but just I would reiterate it. Uh, that call that God has on your life, that doesn't go away. Uh, if a door is closed, just if there's a lot of circumstances coming against you and it doesn't look like it's going to happen, the, the call of God does not go away. So just, just be faithful and lean into it. So if you're that stewardship leader and that's on your heart, get connected with some other folks that are doing stewardship in some way or fashion or form until that right door does open. Partner with God on it, ask, asking him consistently, hey, where, what door should I be knocking on? You know, where, where should I look? And, uh, and just not being frustrated. You know, the word tells us that um, it's through faith and also patience that we inherit the promises of God. So there's an element of believing God and having faith in what he's saying, but there's also that combined element of, of patience where sometimes we have to wait and just be developed and grow during that season. And if you're a senior leader and you're wondering about starting stewardship, I, I would just ask you to strongly consider taking a step of faith and launching into it with a leader that has a heart to disciple, not a fundraiser, but a disciple maker. And I believe as people's hearts are set free from the spirit of mammon, 
which is so prevalent. I think even more than what we even really realize uh, that the spirit of mammon is all behind that and telling us to consume, consume versus living for the Lord, including our finances. And if if you want to see a shift in the hearts of your people to really grabbing a hold of the truth of the word, and, and you don't like seeing the devil beat up on your people in the area of finances, man, they have to know the truth of the word around finances. They have to. And honestly, I just don't feel like it's right to let God's kids suffer if you know the truth that God's hands are tied until we partner with him. And he so wants to be set loose to be able to go ahead and, and set his people free, rebuke the, the devourer and open those windows of heaven. God showed me this picture one time. This, you might get a chuckle out of this. I grew up uh, watching WWF, uh, at least record them Saturday nights and watch it Sundays kind of a thing. And uh, there were tag team wrestling matches. And there was always the good guy tag team wrestling uh, guys. And then there was the bad guy tag team wrestling guys. And we're on the team with God. We're the tag team with God. And then the other team we could say is the devil and the spirit of mammon. And we're in the ring and you know, the bad guys are cheating. They're, they're going like two on one on us. They're beating us up just beating the living daylights out of us. And as much as we're trying to get over to our corner to tag God, because as soon as God gets in there, he's going to tear these guys up. And, and that tag, I believe, is partnering with God with finances to tithe and get get partnered with him so that he can be released to get in there and kick those guys' butts on our behalf and we can get the win. <laughs> so I know it's a little, little silly, but God speaks to us, you know, where we're at, I guess. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Greg, I, I so appreciate, first of all, your friendship, but also your, your service to your church and what you've been doing, your faithfulness in serving in this ministry giving you an opportunity and, and a privilege to do. Uh, I could see that you're, you're full of joy and you're full of, of uh, passion as you're serving your people there as Res Life. It was definitely a God thing, no doubt in my mind about that. And I so appreciate you coming on today, sharing that with us. Uh, some of the things that you shared really inspired and encouraged me, and I know it has our listeners as well. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, I appreciate you, my friend. Yeah, you're welcome, Leo. And thanks again for having me on. That was a lot of fun. Great. Well, thank you for joining us with this episode of Stewardship Leader. If you enjoyed it and found it valuable, please share it with someone you think would also find it valuable. If you're not yet subscribed to our podcast or left us a review, please do so. This will ensure you're automatically receiving the latest content we're producing and will help others to find this podcast. If you want to know more about CSN and how we can help you and your church create a culture of good stewardship and generosity, go to our website, christianstewardshipnetwork.com. There you will find many resources, our events, and how you can become a member of our community. We'd love to be in your corner, helping you and your church develop and implement a thriving stewardship and generosity ministry. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time on Stewardship Leader. Stewardship Leader.